0: Hi, everyone. Before we even begin with the message, I I want us to just pause and remember our friends in Honduras. Uh, With Hurricane Eta, there has been a phenomenal amount of devastation uh, down in Honduras. Just received word from our friend Chet, who is the director of the NGO that we work with, uh, Project Global Village, and he said in 45 years, He has never seen the level of devastation that they've had. And uh, that's saying something. Uh, Chad has been through a lot down there. Uh, Frankly, I've seen some really bad uh, tragedies down in Honduras myself. I've been down there at least two dozen times over the last 12 years. And we've been through hurricanes. We've been through flooding. Uh, But this is just horrible. And Honduras has been quarantined for nine months. I mean, basically they have been in their homes with uh, COVID. Uh, They're already just depressed completely economically. And we do want to um, be able to help them. And if you would like to participate, uh, we are putting together a special offering for them just for relief funds. Um, If you go on our website, uh, there'll be just an international option for Honduras uh, for missions. And I would ask, um, prayerfully consider uh, these families Already have nothing Uh, and I just my heart breaks for them. Uh, We've received uh, pictures. I've seen pictures just friends have sent and um, They need our prayers and they need our support. They are our brothers and sisters and uh, very very close friends. We love them and We need to reach down and help. Thank you It's been a week I'm recording Saturday. It's about noon, I think. Um, The AP called the election. President Trump received more votes than any Republican president ever has. And Joe Biden received more votes than any presidential nominee has ever received. Votes will be recounted and, you know, all of that. We're not done. And I want to stay out of this guy or that guy. That's not my job at all. I do think it's really fascinating that the House and the Senate pretty much stayed exactly where they were. You know, they they already reflected what I do want to talk about. And that's the division in our nation, in our world, in our country, in our community. You know, I love the United States. I, I love U.S. history. I, I actually have a degree in U.S. history. Uh, I was my undergrad. I love our country. <laughs> when I studied history, you know, later I moved on to, obviously, theology and, and uh, church history. But I still love U.S. history. And as I think back on the story of our nation It's always been a story of differences and a story of division. I mean, we've made it through some really tough times in our nation's history. This isn't the first time we've been deeply divided. And we've always held different opinions. You know, even before the colonies, the Native Americans, you know, they were different tribes, different nations. The South was colonized by men who just wanted to come and make it rich quick with tobacco and then, frankly, go back to Europe. Um, The North was colonized by families who were largely fleeing religious persecution, and, you know, they wanted to make a new life for themselves and for their ancestors. I mean, our nation was absolutely born out of very different philosophies. And we've continued to have them throughout our entire existence. I mean, that continued with the Westward movement and uh, industrial revolution and, you know, brother fought brother in the Civil War. We've been through some really tough times as a nation. I don't think we're experiencing anything our great nation can't get through not saying it's going to be easy, but I do believe it's just in our DNA to have differences of opinion. My concern is for friends and family. It's for churches, our community. It's for our church. The nation's really divided. And that makes me incredibly sad. But what about the body of Christ? How does God feel about divisions within the body? Last week, we started this new series called One Another. And, you know, we're looking at these phrases in the New Testament that talk about one another. There's over 100 of them, and they're kind of in some basic categories, but it's a major theme in the New Testament. Jesus talks about one another. Paul talks about one another. Peter talks about one another. Even Jesus' brother James talks about one another. Last week, we listened to Paul's admonition uh, for Christians to live in harmony with one another. You know, a third of the one another passages, they deal with issues of unity in the church. Over and over, the Bible teaches that Christians should be in peace with one another. We shouldn't grumble against one another. We are called to accept one another, to be gentle, to tolerate one another. We're not supposed to be envious of one another. We're not supposed to complain against one another. We're called to forgive one another. Those are the one another unity passages. You know, another one, a third of those passages about one another, they call for us to love one another. I want to talk about those today. You heard Matt and Julie Edelman uh, give us this story from John 13 a couple minutes ago. Chapter 13 is an interesting point in John's gospel. It comes at an interesting time. It's really the Last Supper in John, but. That kind of needs some unpacking and clarification because where the other Gospels, they really talk about the Last Supper and they focus on that story. John focuses on something else. Something that Jesus does as they gather together to celebrate the Last Supper, which they knew as the Passover at the time. But his focus isn't on the Supper. They all come into the room to share the Passover And then Jesus washes the disciples' feet. That's what John's focus is. I mean, they still have the meal, but the story, it's really about Jesus washing the disciples' feet. Act of just humble service. It was something that the servants were supposed to do. You know, as a matter of fact, when they filed into the room to celebrate the Passover, they all would have passed by something at the doorway, and that was a basin and a towel. One by one, they walked by it. They all knew what it was for. Somebody was supposed to wash everyone's feet. Not just someone. It was supposed to be the person who held the lowest rank. The servant would wash everyone else's feet. Not one of the disciples made the move to do that. So Jesus took that spot. He washed their feet. Then they had the bread and the wine. Then after, you know, Jesus said, the one who dips his bread in the cup with me betrays me, and and Judas ran off, right? And something changes right there. You know, his time has come, Jesus says. The betrayal occurred. Judas leaves into the night, the door slams shut, the rest of the 11, they're there with Jesus. And it's like they, they get closer through what I am sure was an incredibly tense time. Jesus starts telling them a whole lot of stuff at this point, and it takes the next couple of chapters in John to get through. And then we move to the passion. It's called the Farewell Discourse in the Gospel of John. And, you know, the title doesn't matter. Um, As much as understanding the effect, once Judas ran out the door, disciples in the next couple chapters, they'll have a couple questions. But really, all the way until chapter 16, at the end, Jesus just explains what's going on that he's got to go away, that they can't follow him. And then he talks about what that means, and then he ends the section with the prayer at the Garden of Gethsemane. And this entire section, this farewell discourse, it's like this intimate look into this little band of friends during an incredibly tense part of their journey together. It's full of comfort, it's full of hope, full of challenge. And Jesus paints this picture of what he wants from his followers. It's like he realizes that there's so much left to be said, and he needs to tell them all of this stuff before it's too late and he's taken away. I don't know if it's stuff he couldn't say when Judas was there, or if it was more like once Judas left, he knew... The time was really short and he needed to make the most of it. Regardless, one of the things that he left them with were these words. I give you a new commandment that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. Jesus called this his new commandment. And and I kind of think we miss what's going on here. Because the more you know about the Old Testament, I mean, the more you realize loving one another, that was a huge part of the Hebrew scriptures. I mean, it, it was already in the law. Leviticus 19, 18 says specifically the Israelites supposed to love their neighbors as themselves. I mean, there's plenty of other examples. Love one another wasn't what Jesus meant when he gave this new commandment. It was part of the new commandment, but love one another, that wasn't the new commandment. What Jesus says was, love one another as I have loved you. He Said the same thing at the foot washing. He said, copy me. If you're gonna be my follower, you gotta do what I do. Like when I washed your feet just a little bit ago. I told you to wash others' feet. And he was saying, serve one another at that point. Now he's taking it up a notch. Love one another as I have loved you. Then he says by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples. If you have love for one another. How have we done over the centuries with that? Just as I have loved you, you should love one another. How have we done over the last 10, 9, 10 months? Would everyone know we're his disciples as they've witnessed our love for one another? Jesus doesn't say, Love those who reinforce your worldview. He doesn't say love those who share your political beliefs. He says, I give you a new commandment, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, you should love one another. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. This is An amazing time for the world to see this verse lived out. Like I said, this comes in this farewell discourse in John, and it's like Jesus is just trying to get everything that he needs to say said before he's taken away. He wants them to get this. They can keep his spirit alive after he's gone. They can follow where he's going, what he's done. Their actions in this world can bring about this key aspect of the realm that he's going to, his kingdom. They can love as he's loved them. That brings his kingdom here right now. Loving one another, it anticipates the, the community that we're going to experience in the kingdom. I give you this new commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You know, the word commandment, it appears eight times in John's gospel. And and every one of them are in this section from 12 to 15. And it's all centered on this right here. You remember the commandments of the Old Testament? They were signs of the covenant people. I mean, the the law was supposed to craft behavior, the norms of God's covenant people. That's what it was for. And this covenant God established in Exodus, it was ratified and still remembered to this day through the Passover meal. That's what Jesus was doing in John 13. Jeremiah 31, 34 says, Behold, the days are coming when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel, the house of Judah. The Last Supper, it was the Passover meal. It was a celebration of the Exodus covenant. But the night that Jesus paused and he washed their feet, they gathered to celebrate the meal. Jesus offered a new covenant, It wasn't just remembering the old. He was establishing this new covenant with a new meal and a new law, a new commandment. And his act of service, it was this foreshadow of the selfless sacrifice that he was just ready to perform on a cross. And his new commandment, love one another as I have loved you. That was meant to craft the behavior of the people of his new covenant. Just like the Israelites, if they followed the old law, their behavior, it just kind of stood out, right? Everyone would know they were God's people when they witnessed their actions because they were different. Jesus says, by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples. If you have love for one another. As long as Jesus' disciples are in this world, you know, the world is still encountering Christ because they're encountering a people who love as Christ loved. Love one another as I have loved you. Still our marching orders. We're the covenant people. This is supposed to craft our behavior in November of 2020. This is our covenant meal. What's a covenant? It's a binding agreement between two parties on just a forensic level. You know, really, the Bible is divided into two covenants. You know, we talk about the Old and the New Testament, but it's just as, well, the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. And they each have a meal. First goes back to the covenant in Exodus, You remember the story, God called Moses to deliver the Israelites from 400 years of slavery. Exodus 24, they gather together for this meal on Mount Sinai and God reaffirms this covenant. He has them offer an animal as a sacrifice. And he says to Moses, take the blood and sprinkle it on their heads and tell them this is the blood of the covenant that seals between you and me that you will be my children and I will be your God. And as he gave them that new commandment, Jesus and his disciples, they were remembering that day, that Passover meal, right? Jesus and his disciples, they were celebrating the same covenant meal that Moses and the Israelites shared in Exodus. It was symbolizing God's covenant with them. They're remembering God's saving act when he delivered the slaves from Egypt. But as they celebrated that meal and they celebrated that covenant, Jesus was doing so much more. He took the bread and he gave thanks and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. And he took the cup and he gave thanks and he said this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin drink this as often as you do in remembrance of me jesus was pointing to god's new act of deliverance a new sacrifice all the way back in the beginning of john uh, gospel of john uh, john the baptist sees Jesus, he says, behold, the Lamb of God takes away the sins of the world. He was already connecting the dots between these two testaments, or better yet, these two covenants. It's one story. On the day the Passover lambs were being sacrificed, Jesus celebrated the Passover with his disciples the new lamb. And afterwards, he said, I give you a new commandment, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples, if you have love for one another. Our nation our world, our community, really needs to see Jesus' disciples living out this covenant right now. How are we doing? You know, I'm just really proud of our worship leader, April, this last week. Um, Last month, April and some of the other worship leaders in town from other churches, uh, they got together and um, they wanted to bless our community. And I think they also wanted to give us a reminder of what Jesus was talking about in John 13. You're going to see what I'm talking about in a couple minutes after we share our covenant meal together but I want you to see it as part of how we're going to celebrate the new covenant right here and right now. Throughout the month of December, um, we want to share communion. Every week, uh, we're offering communion. If you're at home, and we know by far, most of you are at home right now, You know, we have available um, these prepackaged communion. um, You can come and pick them up here. We'll bring them to you. Um, We're going to use these in the sanctuary as well uh, to celebrate communion every week this month. But if you have bread, wine, juice, um, I want to be able to share communion with you. It is our covenant meal. It's a meal where we remember Jesus' commandment, not only his call for us to love one another, but his act of amazing sacrifice in which he gave his life because of his love for us. We are to love as Jesus loved us. By this we'll know. The world needs to know. Jesus, on the night of the Passover, after he had washed the disciples' feet, he gathered them together and he said, you came in to remember the way God has worked in the past. That night that God delivered the slaves and he told them to just grab their bread and go. Don't even wait for it to, to rise. And he looked at them and he said, this is not just about the past. This is today. This is my body, which is broken for you. It's broken because you are broken. It's broken because the world is broken. It's broken so that we might be made whole. And then he took the cup, the wine of the Passover, which there again was meant to remind them of the blood shed. As they painted that night, the blood of the lamb over the Israelites doors so that the spirit of death would pass over their homes and save them. Jesus said, this isn't about that. It's so much more. God is still saving, and I will be the new lamb. And I will save you because of my love for you. Love one another. Would you share a prayer with me? Lord, we thank you for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. We thank you for this bread, we thank you for this cup, we thank you for the body, we thank you for the blood, the body which was broken that we might be made whole, the blood that was spilt so that we might be forgiven. These acts of love and sacrifice, this covenant in which you offer yourself to us, graft us together Help us to be your body, redeemed by your blood, that the world might see us loving each other as you have loved us, symbolized in this holy meal. Make us one with each other, one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. All honor and glory is yours. Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Amen.